Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Simran. Welcome to Women Who. Women Who is a podcast of conversations with women who challenge the status quo. Hi, Simran. Hey, Kate. Happy anniversary. I mean, I have like the biggest smile on my face right now. It's been a year. We did it! 12 months. On a whim. 300, 365 days, my friend. Who says we're good at math? Look at this. Look right? at us. Watch out, finance. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, sorry, sorry, finance. Please don't get mad at us. Um, and it's like the common adage, it flew by, but it did. I have vivid memories of you and I just kicking around this idea of being like, should we? Should we? And then at one point, one of us was just like, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> right? As all good things happen, fuck it, let's do it. And we did. And then we did. And we still are. And it's been so much fun. Like, I look back at the conversations that we've had. I know we're going to get into some fun, what we're calling aha moments that we've had throughout this process. But like, holy shit too, Sims. Like, we've got some pretty great follow-up conversations on the dockets over the next coming weeks. Like, onwards, my friend. I've never been more excited, actually. For the listeners, we've been heavy in brainstorming, and we've got so many wonderful women that have agreed to come on and join us. A bunch of new topics that we haven't touched on before, but even like in retrospect, Kate, you're 100% right. I look back on every single one of those conversations, and I know I walked away with you know some type of insight or at minimum just this like warm feeling of... There is so much support and advocacy out there for women in leadership. And I'm so glad we could be part of having some of these conversations. Yeah, exactly. And like even just the baseline of like, wait, other women think this too, which is so helpful. And hopefully any listeners have found that uh, to be helpful too. I always joke about my post-it wall. (laughs) <laughs> where I work at home, I have my desk and it faces a wall. And it's, it's not an exaggeration. It is covered in most of things that I just need to remind myself. And I, it's one of like the most common pieces of feedback that I think we get on a lot of podcast episodes is that I knew that at some, on some level, right? I was conscious of that. And I really needed not only to be reminded of it, but for the point to be driven home that it's also okay to feel a certain way or to be struggling with something or not know how to tackle or unpack a problem. And I mean, you and I just hope we can keep doing that. Yeah, right? Like, it's okay to feel that, but don't identify yourself as that, right? Like, don't put that on as like a badge and be like, I'm not great at this. Like, focus on the positive. And I hope that's what, to your point, I hope that's what people have really taken away from these conversations is like, Your superpower is that you're Simran. My superpower is that I'm Kate. And we both love Post-its. I actually just had a crazy idea. Like, we should do a partnership with Post-its. Yeah, who knows someone that works at Post-its? We're open to doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We We want to create women who Post-its. And you you write all of our all of our isms and the beautiful, wonderful insights that our guests provide because they're endless. And the thing I'm so excited about some of the guests that are coming back. Yep. Teaser alert. Coming back. We're gonna dig into more because a lot of what we have covered is just we're just scraping the surface and it's already been so impactful. Oh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Okay, so this anniversary special, spoiler alert to everyone, you, you just got the two of us, but excitingly, we're going to talk about some aha moments. So these like, oh man, why didn't I think of that sooner kind of moments? The, the jaw drops to the floor kind of moments. The, yeah. I might need to hold a pillow and cry after this type of moments yeah which is all good let the emotions out 
pour yourself a filthy martini and just sit there and deal with it. But then also go forward and do amazing stuff. Okay. Your aha. Simran, when, how, who? All, all, the, all the W's. Oh, and an H. Um, I was thinking about the last episode we dropped, which was about burnout. And honestly, the feedback from that episode has been, it definitely, it, it made me take a step back and really reflect on, you know, what we've built here and amazing kudos to our guests, uh, our executive coaches that joined us. And in that conversation, there was a concept that was introduced called the master lever. And it really did stick with me. And this, it was weeks ago when we recorded it. And since then, I have been reassessing my own life against this concept. And to, to summarize, the master lever, um, as Jen put it, was looking at your life and realizing that more often than not, there's one aspect or component of your life that's dominating all the others. It's taking more of your time, your energy. Likely, it's probably also causing you the most amount of stress, contributing to this concept of burnout, this feeling of burnout. And it's also affecting you in that you're not really able to show up as your best self in that component of your life or any other. And if we pay attention if we get uncomfortable and really pay attention to what that dominant component is and identify that master lever, we can point then our attention at helping to reduce the negative impact that it's having on our life. And sometimes that means making really difficult decisions, right? Sometimes it might mean exiting situations or relationships that have just become fundamentally unhealthy. Sometimes it means readjusting our schedules and where we're putting time and energy, Sometimes it can just mean having more open and honest conversations with people that are becoming potentially more draining. And it could be any number of things. It could be work. It could be life. It could be play. It could be your hobbies. It could be school if you're studying at the same time. And I've this idea, and I have just like this visual in my mind as well of this master lever. It really took, it took me a moment to step back and say, what's dominating my life right now in an unhealthy way? That if I had my quote unquote magic wand and could wave it, I could change holistically my situation. And then therefore the energy, not only that I was receiving from it, which was predominantly negative, but also the energy I was putting out. And I'll be very honest that I've spent a lot of time reflecting on it and I don't have a resolution yet. I haven't figured out exactly what I want to do. I will share that I've spent time talking to friends, Kate included, um, as well as my therapist, Hey, Jessica, and many others to help me sort of navigate what'll make sense. And, and I just add that last part that even when you put the time and attention for it, the other aha pieces, I don't know, giving myself the grace to say, I'm not going to figure it all out overnight. That's okay too. Um, I mean, kudos to our coaches because we just sort of dovetailed the conversation into that area that this concept of master lever come out. And I know that the guests can't see us, but my face was just like, what is happening? It's such a simple concept and it's really stuck with me. And I think I'll keep using it time and time again. That's, that's probably my most recent aha moments. There's been many over the last year. Yeah, but that's such, it's such a great one, Simran. And like you summarized it so perfectly too, because yeah, there are certain levers, smaller levers that you could pull and you have, right? To like make smaller, but some of those bigger ones, like it's not easy. And so I think why I love the conversation too was just that acknowledgement of this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have to be brave. I'm going to have to be courageous, but I'm going to put me first and I'll be graceful with my, my with myself in that it's going to take some time, but I'm yeah. going to get there and you're totally going to get there. <laughs> I love it. Shout out Jen Paterno, Lauren Letty. It was our last episode, Burnout. If you haven't had a chance to go listen to it, give it a listen. Even, even if you feel like y'all you're doing great and you're in this, you know, elevated moment, everything's going awesome. You know, remind yourself that there will be ebbs and flows. And, you know, that's okay. There are gonna be moments where we struggle. Um, 
And it really did. It really, I like, I, I journaled a lot after that episode. I was like, I really need to do a fair amount of self-reflection. And I, I appreciate the two of them. Um, they might be a couple of guests that are coming back soon. Maybe. That means yes. I was going to say, they totally are. They totally are. Um, okay, Kate, hit us with one of yours. What's what's one of your standout aha moments from the past year? Yeah, I mean, okay, like you, I've had so many, uh, and I love those. Uh, but my mine actually happened uh, a little bit outside of the podcast recordings in that I was doing sort of a fireside chat uh, with our uh, women's BRG. And I got to be interviewed, uh, which was so much fun. And the concept turned on you that day. You were the interviewee. Listen, I got sweaty kitten palms. My hands were a little sweaty. I was a little nervous to be on the other side of the mic. But I will say it was a lot of fun, right? Because um, the young women in our organization got to ask, like, how did you get here, Kate? Uh, and it's a really funny journey of how I got here. But uh, what I will say, the one question came up because then we had sort of a, an open Q&A. And she came on camera and she said, how, how do you deal with the competition? Oof. And much like I did right now, I really paused. And my initial reaction was that, and you know me, I am not a hugger, but I wanted to reach out and hug her because my initial thought was, what competition? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you and I work very similar in that sense, in that, and I've, as part of my journey at Dentsu, I've structured myself out of a lot of different roles and elevated people into them. I'll I'll always do that. But I can appreciate that because I've also been in certain situations where there is a competition on who gets the next role and things like that. And I don't know, Simran, like my heart dropped for her and I tried to articulate and say what I how I do. And I mean, I did say to her, like, what competition, which definitely got a couple little like giggles and uh, emojis in the chat. But I wasn't trying to make light of it. What I was really trying to reinforce was that this still is such an issue that women deal with, right? Because before it was that there were so many limited seats at the table. And so you were somewhat pitted against each other. Now that there's more seats at the table, there's limited heads of seats at the table, but I see, I see a, I mean, although I might see it, the numbers tell me otherwise, like women are leaving senior positions in droves that have never been seen before. Yeah. And I have to wonder if she was onto something. Mm-hmm. And so my aha moment was that As a senior female leader in this organization, what I can really lean into, and I think what I I will continue to, is to speak up when I see those competitions being being had on teams or with clients and to try and change the perspective of that, right? Because I, I look at my career in that it's, Kate against Kate. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's like, okay, this is we're now in like chapter the year is 2022. Mm-hmm. It's this version of Kate and it's like, okay, so what Kate is going to show up in 2023 to do like some badass work, right? Like what got me here in 2022 is not going to get me to 2023. But again, then I think I'm like, oh, is that just because I have some fantastic sponsors and a fantastic boss and team members that are so much more supportive. Like, I don't know, Samran. Like, I, I, I'm clearly still working through this aha. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it's part of it, right? What you just described is part of it that, and it's not to remove your own action out of that because you've spent so much time cultivating that network and your level of awareness and how you want to show up. Um, but may, maybe when she asked that question, I don't even want to say maybe, I, I presume when she asked that question, it's it's a pretty simple reaction to the way we're bred to compare ourselves. And part of the output of comparison is is feeling like we're in a competition. And I, I can definitely understand the feeling, especially um, for women that are on the cusp of entering into leadership positions or in leadership positions, because often the comparison is directly against men and what is considered the, a dominant and therefore successful leadership style, um, which is often competence is valued over competence. And, you know, a certain level of assertion needs to be applied without being aggressive and, you know, so on and so forth. The list goes on. Um, but then I also think of all the times in which I know I've thought I wasn't necessarily good enough or necessarily talented enough or you know, necessarily qualified enough. And I think all of those ideas kind of come from that same place when you're and if you identify this a little girl or a, a child who's unsure about their identity, looking around at the world and saying, oh, this pres- prescribed idea of a person, and, and I think it's particularly challenging for girls in particular because of the lack of representation, which we've talked about before, just gets embedded in our psychology. And I know that you and I have both experienced, unfortunately, scenarios where we've had leaders that either we've reported to or worked with that have felt there's a competition with us. And that's been particularly jarring because we haven't approached it that way. That hasn't necessarily been our mindset. But when you're in the environment, it's very obvious that there is competition. I can I can empathize with where she was coming from because what what does what does one do to then strengthen the mindset of if I'm in any competition it's only with myself yeah it's it's that's not easy right because like and I mean this is where I would look at the team lead right that is a dysfunctional team right there and I would say to the leader of said team like you've where is your where is your sense of we're all in this together? What is your like, what is your ultimate goal? You're clearly all individuals working against your own, whether that be like ego or KPIs that you want to be hitting, but you're not like raising your hand and being like, hey, I could use a hand here and because I'm not going to hit our ultimate goal of yada, yada, right? It's really, it's really quite interesting. But those are sometimes uncomfortable conversation to have, right? And like no one in the room wants to raise their hand and be like, hey, I'm not hitting the goal. I could use a hand. Um, because that's sometimes difficult too. And like I I know I've been on on a dysfunctional team like that before. And ultimately the resolution was I left. And that might seem, that might sound flippant and easy. It was a very difficult decision at the time for me to make because um, I had put quite a number of years into cultivating my role there and cultivating my team. But then my senior leaders weren't, they weren't operating in the way that, not just that I needed, but the way that I thought leaders should operate. And I'll explain that because I've always believed and will continue to believe that a leader's primary job is to exist and be in service of the people that they're leading. Mm-hmm. And that service takes whatever form and shape that the people need. Do they need inspiration? Do they need a coach? Do they need step-by-step instruction? Fill in the blank. That's that's the leader's job, right? The leader's job is not simply to set a course and say, here's where we're going and then move out of the way. The leader has to be the most malleable, flexible person 
on the team. And this is why it's so fascinating to me what you're saying, because to have a competitive mindset and then also try and have this mindset of what's commonly referred to as servant leadership, they don't go together. Mm-mm. If you're competing against the people on your team or other people at the organization, chances are you're not operating as a leader that's in service of your people. And progressive thought here, that's not a person you should be working with or for because they're not going to bring out the best in you because they don't care to bring mm-hmm. out the best in you. Yeah. Like when I think about some of the best leaders that I've had, to your point, Someone like sometimes they're a coach, sometimes they're a cheerleader, sometimes they're the mediator, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes they're the brave ones who at first start the discussion and the debate, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's gotten it's interesting. It it's interesting. Like I, I'm I'm hopeful that I don't know that she left the conversation we we spoke about after. Um, with some like very tactical, some next steps that can be done. But, uh, but yeah, gosh, like what, what, a what a challenge to, to come up on, but a great question nonetheless. And such an aha moment to me to sometimes remove my rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. Right. And remind that there are a lot of challenges. Not everything is um, always so positive. But yeah. Aha. Another great aha. Another great aha. Can I, can I do another one? Do it. It's yeah. our anniversary special. We can do whatever we want. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. Um, one of my... I think one of my more emotional moments was when we had Anita on. Oh. Um, Anita Patel Sayed, she came on. Um, she's an executive vice president at, at Dentsu and a fierce woman of color leader. And, you know, we, t- we, we, we threw some hardball questions at her um, with, with her approval and consent prior to recording the episode, <laughs> just to be fair. And it, after the fact, I will, I will never forget her reaching out to us and just the level of appreciation she felt for being able to have that type of conversation. And I think what she meant was like the ability to be that vulnerable, but also in a way we gave her the permission to, not that she was quote unquote, asking for it or that she needed the permission from us. But I think I've realized how frequently women are seeking permission to just exist. And it it was in that moment in particular, and we were going back and forth in a chat after we recorded the episode. And again, it was this moment in my mind being like, so frequently do women feel like they can't, they can't exist just as who they are. They can't speak the way they intend to. They can't show up unapologetically, you know, without putting on some type of filter or mask um, or, you know, signaling in some way that they can assimilate to the dominant environment around them. And I need is also a close friend of mine. And she's, she's taught me a lot. She's a sort of a pseudo mentor. <laughs> Anita, you're finding that out now. Oh my God, by the way. Um, but it was it was in that moment, which was probably like halfway through as, as doing this and re- recognizing that somehow we had stumbled upon something, not not really all that intentionally. I mean, we're intentional in the way that we show up and the way that we create space for people. But we didn't start this podcast and thinking you know, women need to be given permission. And again, I'm like so careful with that word choice because I don't want it. I don't want women to feel like they need to be given permission. But a lot of the times we are sort of waiting, right? We're waiting to be called upon. We're waiting to be asked. We're waiting to be told something's okay. And I completely understand where that comes from. And there are moments even now where I'm I'm still in a little bit of that waiting mode and then other Simran kicks in and she's like, what the fuck are you, come on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, right, we're, we're just gonna go. I forgot. But there's it, just something really beautiful in that. And I think the ways in which also we 
we don't restrict what any of our guests want to say. Mm-hmm. We might guide a conversation, but we let them fully explore and express whatever occurs to them in that moment without filtering it. And I'll, I'll share that there is very little editing that goes on behind the scenes with most of our recordings. And part of the reason for that is because we don't necessarily feel as though we have the right to edit and truncate what someone's saying. And like that, that's a testament to just this, the tone that I feel like we're setting, which kind of also leads into what you were just saying, like the, the leaders in the room, whatever the room is, set the tone. And if that tone doesn't feel right or safe or permission-based or trustworthy, everything else flies out the window. And like just doing this over and over again, but it was particularly with that episode with Anita, it's just reinforced to me, not only how we show up in this podcast, but quite honestly, how I show up in every other conversation with a woman that even tangentially ventures into this territory where I get like very assertive, like, no, you have the permission, you have the right, you have the skill. I believe it. You need to believe it. And then I'd probably say it a hundred times and they're like, oh, you think? And I'm like, right. You think? I've known it from the beginning. I've just been waiting for you to catch up. And it's okay that you needed time to catch up. But that was when I, and I'm st- I'm smiling talking about it now because it really warmed my heart. I think also, especially because she is so seasoned and so accomplished to receive that feedback from her felt even more powerful that we could have that level of impact on someone that has seen and done so much and that we both look up to. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it gives me the fuzzies even now. I have the fuzzies. But you're you're really on to something, right? Because there's going like all the way back to even what we were talking about before with when you're first starting out in your career and there's maybe not a lot of senior females to to look up to and you're all sort of trying to act a different way. Like for a large part of my early career, I acted very unkate like mm-hmm. right? Because of these of these things that I was either in some cases told. Um, but then in also cases where I was looking for permission was like, oh, okay, so I'm too much. Mm. I need to tone tone down the Kateness. Uh, and then it was, I think one day, many, many years ago that I realized that like, and I say this a lot too, and I've said it on this episode now, but my superpower is that I am me, mm-hmm. right? And that the energy and the passion and my love for telling and listening to and hearing a great story. But to your point, I think the thing that I love the most that I can do, and this can be used for good or evil, is the, and I like to think I use it for good way more, is influencing the energy in the room, right? And I think that's what you and I have really been honing in on. And it's leaving people better than when they came into our conversation, right? Feeling heard, feeling safe, feeling championed and empowered. And I think that's what I'm looking most forward to in our next episodes is sort of continuing that, right? Like convincing women, telling them, no, you're not those things that you tell yourself. You are far more magical. You are a magical unicorn. And these are all the reasons why. Mm-hmm. I mean, write them down on a post-it and put them on your wall or your mirror. I saw this. I came across this great uh, tip the other day for um, tackling your inner critic. So on the, on the lines of like, you're, you're, you're not those negative things that you're saying to yourself. And the tip was just super simple. It was like, go take a favorite photo of yourself when you were a child, like single, oh, yes. single digit age. Um, find, find a photo from a photo album or if you don't have a physical, go, go print one, purposefully go print one and then cut it out and stick it on your mirror. 
And every day when you wake up or right before you go to sleep, look at that little child in the picture and remind yourself that every time you're saying those negative things about you, you're saying them about her and to her. And then make a decision to change the story. And I nearly fell off my chair. And I found I found a couple of photos on my phone. I favored them. I'm going to print them. I'm going to do the thing. Um, and it's it is this physical present reminder because it's true. When we say those things, we are we're we're hurting that child's spirit, the way that she or they showed up in the world, all the ambition and dreams and excitement. And so picture that you're saying those things to them and about them. And then realize that you wouldn't actually do that if they were standing in front of you. You would change the story. And it doesn't mean you have to be like overly optimistic about everything all the time, but it does mean that you can decide to affirm your own power and all of the beautiful, amazing qualities and characteristics that you have. And I think that's also what helps us combat this idea of competition, because I think of that I think of little Simran, I think similarly to the way that you think about little Kate and be like, no, I'm, I'm doing this for that little girl because that matters. She matters in a way that maybe she didn't feel like she did. She definitely does now. I love, I love, I love this tip. I really encourage if anyone's really struggling with inner critic, the negative thoughts, the negative feedback loop do this small, simple thing. It will cost you next to nothing and practice it every day. And in earnest, you will witness your mindset and the way you think start to change. And it's, it's so I love, I love that you brought this one up because this came up in a conversation too. And it was, it came out of the competition thing because I went into like, I see myself as a competition and they were like, tell us more, Kate. And I, I went into this thing where it's like, I like to live my life in the in the theory of like what would mini Kate what would mini Kate want to do now as an adult right and like always wanted to have a magazine a radio show um a tiny dog um and like always loved shoes and fashion right and to your point, like I look back and I'm like, oh my God, mini Kate would be so proud like eight year old Kate would be proud eighteen year old Kate is like this is epic. And then I think, well, what would 80 year old Kate think? Mm, Right? Like what stories is 80 year old Kate going to tell around the home one day? Community. Who knows where that's going to be? Maybe Europe. Who knows? (laughs) Right? Like what stories is 80 year old Kate going to be going to be telling? And I think I always want to have that sense of, well, she was brave, right? Like, sure, she was kind, Mm. but like she was brave. Yeah. And I think any version of Kate would be proud of that. But yeah, I love the actual, like, it's funny. um, I'm looking at the little picture of me right now. You should see these baby blues. Mini Kate, she looks great in her little dress. Um, I I stare at her um, every day. It's a shot of me with my... um, late grandfather. And, uh, and yeah, when I have those moments it's in work, I like just boot my head over and I'm like, I got you girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I love, love, love that Simran. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And if, and the, the, the thing that kind of dovetails off of what you said earlier is you could even write down some statements too. Like if that's something that's really hard for you to conjure, you know, positive affirmations, statements, whatever you want to call them, you know, write three to five of them down, you know, make it a purposeful exercise and then say those to that picture every day. And then it's definitely made a difference for me. I know it may sound a little kitschy and cheesy, but you're going to look at that little picture and your cute little face and you're going to be like, how can I not show up for this kid? They were amazing. 
amazing. And I have this ridiculous one too, where I'm like wearing too many like neck, I'm like five or six. I've got like six different beaded necklaces and a rainbow headband and like this check. I don't know. She, she wasn't good at fashion. Okay. But like, she thought she was everything. And I love my confidence in this picture. Cause I went to school on picture day wearing this outfit. And in her mind, she was like, mm, you can't, you can't. Listen, I think Mini Simran was onto something. Maybe there is a future accessory business there. Maybe. And it's like this bomb, like checkered vest. I'll show it to you later. It is such a great. Anyway, and I think of like, look at this little girl's confidence. That's what she wanted to wear. She wore it. She showed up to picture day. Picture day. It is well documented. <laughs> and I just, I think of that, you know, that energy and I'm like, this is, that's how I want to wake up every day. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean I will exactly feel that every day, but I'm going to conjure that for her because there have been countless other moments where, you know, she was minimized and, you know, she was told not or too much, et cetera. But yeah, write down a few statements, pick out a picture, look at it, practice this. You're doing it for her. You're doing it for yourself. And like, that's, that's an invaluable invaluable way to strengthen your mindset and then guess what when you do that all the other clutter in the brain around who you may or may not be competing with or who thinks they're competing with you just starts to naturally matter less over time yeah because there's there's always going to be people who are competing with you always go ahead and that's that's the power in that's what I, I left this young woman wanting. The power for her I wanted to have was what competition? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, go ahead and compete. But, like, you're not even, like, I'm, I'm not paying attention to you. Yeah. And I guarantee there are people thinking, wow, that sounds really cocky. And I can also guarantee that as cocky as you think that sounds, it's nowhere near as cocky as cocky actually is. That is confidence. I just want to reference the distinction because that is a common place that a mm -hmm. woman will go to. And what we're talking about is confidence in yourself. Yeah. Not about cockiness. Because when you take that mindset, just like Kate said, you then take that energy and you carry it forward and you pass it on and you share it out. And tell me what part of that feels cocky. Yeah, because when, you, when you're saying what competition, you're, you're showing up as a really great teammate because you're, you're, you're helping people out. Yeah. So, yeah. This is fun. Do you, do, you have any, do you have any others, Kate, that you want to share? My God, there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> this is going to be a five-hour-long episode. I'm just joking. Yeah, buckle up, kittens. Buckle up. But uh, no, you know the other one that I really loved that I learned this year was around things I can and cannot control. Mm. And there, spoiler, is a lot I can't control. And that's okay. Double tap that. Right? And a really quick hack that I did that I now do sometimes in those moments where you're like, you know that like that moment when you can feel it spiraling? Like maybe a couple things have not gone swimmingly that day. And then you're on this like self-destructive spiral. Why are you describing my week right now? <laughs> right? And you like, you start to believe the things of like, I'm too much. I'm not enough. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. They're right. I'm wrong. Uh, I stop that now. And I go, I'm Kate. And I write down everything that I'm working on, working through. Like literally take a page and I, I write them all down. And then I like, I sit there for a minute and then I go back to it. Mm -hmm. and I circle what I can control. And you want to know what? It's funny because like there is maybe a list of like 15 to 20 things. And there's maybe two things I can control. Yeah. 
and so I, I've started doing that because there's, I find there's a lot of like energy power in that. And let me tell you, it is not easy. Mm. Uh, it is not easy to realize like, wait, I can't control that. Or you know what, what that person thinks about me isn't a true reflection of me, right? Like just because someone knows your name doesn't mean that they know you. And that's been a really big like aha that I've been trying to to practice this year. And it, it's been, in those moments, it's been helpful because I'm not saying that like all of a sudden the spiral is gone and it's like super rosy. I'm definitely not trying to to minimize what those spirals can be like. But I will say it starts to stop that like evil Kate who sits on the shoulder, like the negative one. She gets muted and a reinvigoration of like a focus and some clarity comes yeah. back in. I love that exercise. I I have done that one so frequently this year. It's always two things are always very shocking. It doesn't matter how many times I do it, they're still shocking. You think at this point, I'd be like, why am I surprised? But I am. But the two things are one, how many things I will write down in the first pass. Like you mentioned 15, 20 things, easily 15, 20 things. And it's just like dump everything in your brain, write everything down. Shocking every single time. Like, oh, there's a lot going on up there, isn't there? And then the second thing is how few things are actually in my control and the part of that that's so hard is it requires you to be so brutally honest with yourself and not attempt to rationalize something being in your control when it's not. And when we do that, it's just like, oh, if I can truly accept that only these two things are in my control right now, then these are the only two things that deserve or warrant any energy. You could also say, even though both are in my control, I'm really only going to focus on one of them because one of them is really the only one that's, you know, important to me. Mm -hmm. Every single time I'm surprised. Every single time. Every single time. I'm like, oh, God. Wait, you mean I can't control this? What? Why? The weather doesn't change at my will? Yeah, like, I really wanted to wear that coat. What do you mean it's 20 degrees out? <laughs> what? Um, I, I love this exercise. It's it's another great one. Super, super simple, you know, pen, paper, and a quiet place. And it takes like 10 minutes because, again, I think you'll be surprised when you start writing how quickly all that stuff wants to exit your brain because you've been holding it hostage, trying to make sense of all of it. Yeah. And then you dump it all out there and brutally ask yourself, what can I control? And then of what can you control? What matters to me? I feel like I need to go do this exercise right now. Right. It's been a week. It's I been mean, a week. I think. And, and then I, you get some vulnerability right now. It has been a tough week for both Kate and I for different reasons. And there's, there's a lot. There's been a lot floating around in my brain that I've been trying to make sense of. And, and I'm doing like, a great job. And that's okay because I'm, I'm going to go do this exercise. Right. And like. It's funny because I did it this morning and um, I know we, we've both had like fairly brutal weeks for a variety of reasons. But then the other thing too, that it's funny sometimes what this list inspires is then those boundaries, mm -hmm. right? And I know you and I have been working through that not only at work, but in personal lives too, right? Especially in personal lives. I'm trying to get better at that. And it's like, what am I willing and not willing to endure or yeah. I don't like the word settle because I don't think anyone ever really, but you know what I mean, where you've just got to, um, you've got to figure out your boundaries, right? Your mm -hmm. rules of engagement and what you will and will not tolerate, I think is what I was, that's a better articulation of what I was yeah. trying to say. <laughs> Your time and your energy are two of the most valuable things. Yeah. And and like, like, like when I'm setting boundaries, I always go back to these places and, and I ask myself, I'm like, is either my time or energy being abused? Yes or no? 
And if on the off chance I'm okay with that reality, why? Right? Am I actively making a sacrifice because I'm I'm putting time into something that is important to someone that is important to me and therefore I don't necessarily benefit right away? Like take take yourself down that thought pattern and you'll reveal a lot. Because a lot of the times the answer is no. And I'm like, well then why am I doing this? Okay. And it's like again, I'm like, I I'm I'm so cautious because I feel like we get people will get stuck in the loop of like, well, I need to feel joyful and happy every moment of the day. I'm like, that's not a realistic expectation to set for yourself. Um, but where you can be active about setting boundaries where things are com- elements of your life, experiences, things that you put time towards are consistently negative, consistently causing you to feel like you need to shrink yourself or are draining. Those are the ones that you pay attention to first and say, how can I actively change the structure of this situation by expressing what I need? That's a bound. That's a healthy boundary. That's a very healthy boundary. And like tactical examples could include like, there is this like spin class that you go to Mm. because you want to be working out, but you, you don't love like the teacher is condescending calls people out in the class. You don't love the music. Like, you don't have to keep going to that class because, and this is a very rudimentary example, I get it, but like the, the power in your boundary is that A, stop going to that class, find another class, maybe find something completely different. Like maybe, I don't know, yoga is your jam, mm. right? And like you go into there with maybe you're working through some things, some energy opportunities and then you leave feeling peaceful and energized and ready to tackle the day right like I think of of that as like a tactical example I think of what we're sort of trying to articulate around boundaries yeah to your point some are like a little bit more complex and require a little bit more thoughtful review Mm -hmm. but some can be as as simple as those Mm -hmm. Or you like starting your day a certain way, right? And so you need to consult your partner or an employer or other things, right? To just set up your day better for success. Turns out you need 30 minutes of just like journaling or reading. And you like to do that from 8 until 8.30. Mm-hmm. I've, I've also found with boundaries, what can help is identifying identifying one or two people in your life that can be cheerleaders yes. when you're finding it hard to follow through. So I will, I will, I will dovetail off of the spin class example and say yesterday, I did not want to go to the gym. It was a day to go to the gym. I knew it would be good for me to go to the gym. And so what I did was I texted my sister and I was like, please convince me to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. That, it's a positive boundary. I set my, for myself, like, being active, going to the gym a certain number of days in the week. I know I always, 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 always feel great afterwards. And I can I can control, again, what I do when I'm there. If I don't feel like I've got a ton of energy and I don't want to overextend myself. But I was, I was fully ready to burrito on the couch and not go. And I texted her and I was like, I want to go. And I, I went into like, you know, child's room mode. And she's like, why don't you want to? And I was like, can you please just like tell me to go? And it was, it worked because <laughs> she's like, I think you should go. And here's the reasons why I think you should go. And I was like, okay, well, see, now I feel bad saying no to you. So this is good reinforcement. <laughs> and like, it's, it's a cheeky little, you know, hack, but it works because I know she'll, she'll be the reinforcement and the cheerleader I need in that moment to be like, no, go, you've got this, you can do this. Even though rationally, I already have every reason as to why I should fulfill that for myself. And it's 110% okay to need people to be your cheerleaders and help reinforce and help you follow through on the simple stuff and on the hard stuff. Yeah, because it's like you do, you, you do prioritize going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And it's hard sometimes in those moments when you're like, I just can't muster. Yeah. But I know I'm going to like it. Yeah. 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 I've had, I've had gym sessions where I just lay on the stretching mats 
and stare off into the abyss. Sometimes that's all I do at the gym. Yeah. But again, they, it's, it's an example of like how to take the concept of the boundary and, and bring it to life and hack it in the way that makes sense for you. Um, and maybe you don't have a ton of people that you can go to and, you know, hopefully you could have one person that you feel comfortable confiding in and saying, Hey, here's some, here's some cheeky ones of, I want to be able to go to the gym three days a week. Can I, can I, can I message you and you, you know, reinforce so I follow through and, and also maybe can I call you sometimes when I'm struggling with, you know, someone at work that makes me feel like I can't show up as myself or whatever the situation might be. I, I'm a big advocate of like playing out the scenario with someone you feel safe with. Cause then over time it just reinforces the behavior. Setting the boundary is only half the battle. Following through on it is the hard part. Oh my God. Always. And then you layer on consistency. Gosh, why is consistency the answer to so many problems? I'm telling you, I think I, I, I like fundamentally think that to be successful at anything, you just have to be what most people aren't. And that's consistent. I know. It's frustrating. I know. I know. As the person who didn't want to go to the gym yesterday, I was frustrated by the fact that I knew I was being inconsistent and mm. needed to adjust my behavior. Oh, man, we covered a lot of topics today, Kate. This was fun. I love these episodes. We did get we did get a couple requests, so we need some more Kate and Summer time. And we honestly just riff. <laughs> and we have so much fun doing it. And we hope you have fun listening to us do it. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for yours and your generosity. And like we said, we got a lot of really great content coming up. Stay tuned. It's going to be an epic. I'm proud of Mini Sims. Aww. I'm proud of me and Kate. And, and adult Kate and Sims. Yeah, they're pretty badass too. And, and we love all of you. Carry it forward. You can do this. Women Who is produced by Dentsu International and available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Women Who. And that's spelled at W-O-M-X-N underscore W-H-O.